that's a good old hymn from way back, but and we don't often sing that song, but I'm glad we are able to tonight. I think it expresses a great love for our Lord. Uh, even talked about uh, spring, and as you travel around, you start to see there, uh, spring is coming. Uh, there are some flowers blooming, and uh, there are some uh, things uh, starting to show themselves uh, uh, that the maybe the winter has come to an end, but uh, I'm glad uh, for that that song. It's a beautiful song. Uh, now tonight, we want to continue in our evaluating or uh, guide for making musical choices, and we're going to talk about evaluating uh, musical uh, communication. Evaluating music, uh, musical communication. Now this message uh, tonight. Uh, Maybe a little bit on the short si- uh, side, and everybody said, "Amen." And uh, because uh, actually it was a, it, we're going to divide it into two parts. I hate to do that because next week I won't have a chance to finish it because we're going to have the heritage singers. But that's good. We're going to have a, a good uh, uh, music here uh, presented to us. But uh, and I trust it'll communicate to us as well as music does. And uh, so uh, we're going to divide this uh, little, little uh, message uh, into two parts and make it smaller tonight. And, um, and I don't guarantee you'll get out any earlier, but uh, uh, we'll see. But uh, a guide for making musical choices, evaluating musical communication. Recently I read a quote by a professor of music from a new evangelical Bible college, and they don't really even call themselves a Bible college, and it's no wonder with a statement like this from their music professor. He said this, There is nothing unchristian or anti-Christian about any kind of music. He said this, There is nothing unchristian or anti-Christian about any kind of music. And he also said, The Christian is free of the moral nothingness of music. The moral nothingness of music. Well, this uh, professor is also from the same college that okayed social drinking for its faculty and dancing for its students. Now, this is not an uncommon sentiment among Christians today. In fact, it's probably more common belief among modern Christians. But does this view that music is completely neutral stand against the teachings of Scripture and the understanding of the science of music? Now, I've tried to already bring you through some of the uh, passages of Scripture that talk about that music matters. Music matters. And if it's it's just nothingness, then it's not going to matter, right? But it does matter, and so music is not just nothingness. It communicates a message. And so we're going to talk about that communication tonight. First of all, musical communication in the Bible. (coughs) Musical communication in the Bible. Many proponents of the neutrality of music argue that, well, the Bible doesn't explicitly say that music communicates. So, music doesn't communicate. If the Bible doesn't say it, then it doesn't 
Not only is this a faulty view of biblical interpretation and application, but also the Bible does imply musical communication in several instances. Let me give you one instance, and that would be worship that sounds like war. One of the first examples in Scripture of music communicating in a recognizable message is in Exodus chapter 32. Moses on Mount Sinai was receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord and he was, had Joshua waiting uh, just down the way, just off the mountain there, a little ways down. He was waiting. And after the receiving of the tables of the law, Moses and Joshua began to make their way back to Uh, down the mountain to the camp of the Israelites. And as they came near the camp, Joshua hears a noise. And he says, there is a noise of war in the camp. In Exodus 32 and verse 17. He tells Moses as he likely reaches for his sword, as he's thinking there's war going on. But Moses knows better. You see, before returning down the mountain, the Lord Himself had told Moses that His people had turned from Him and begun begun worshiping an idol. And Moses knows that what Joshua heard with his younger, more immature ears was not the sound of war, but the sound of worship. Worship of the Lord God using pagan methods. And this is not the sound of victory or defeat in war. This was music. But what is important for our purposes is that the music that the Israelites were using in their worship was communicating a very clear message to Joshua. He couldn't even hear the words. All he could hear was this noise. A message of chaos, a message of turmoil, a message Joshua associated with war. Now this account does not explicitly really teach us anything about music per se, but it does imply that music can communicate messages and therefore very strongly suggest certain associations to our minds. Let me give you another example. Refreshing of the Spirit. Perhaps one of the well-known passages about the effects of music is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 23. King Saul was disobeying God. He was forfeited. He had forfeited the throne, and David was had been anointed the king of Israel. And in verse 14 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, we read. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. I want you to notice there's a contrast here between two kinds of spirits. The Spirit of the Lord and an evil spirit from the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is definitely, I think, the Holy Spirit, and most likely refers to a special anointing that God's earthly representatives enjoyed in the Old Testament. But once Saul lost his sight to be king, that special anointing of the Holy Spirit left him. And in place of the Holy Spirit, Saul is now overcome with an evil spirit from the Lord. And there's some disagreement over exactly what this spirit was. 
Some take the position that it was a demonic spirit that tormented Saul, and that is certainly a possibility. But since the spirit is from the Lord, it's more likely that this term refers to a mental or emotional condition. In other words, spirit here refers to Saul's own spirit. And the phrase could certainly mean Saul was overcome by a troubled spirit from the Lord. In other words, in place of this special anointing from, upon Saul, God caused Saul to become overcome with a disturbing emotional condition. So Saul is experiencing some kind of troubled emotional state that worries his servants, that motivates them to look for a solution. And his servants know that troubled emotions can often be soothed through calming, beautiful music. And so Saul sends for David to play upon his harp. And as David played, it tells us there in verse 23, Saul was refreshed. Now what this passage implies is that the music can communicate a message to our spirits, to our emotions, in such a way that it actually changes our emotions. And when we're experiencing a depressed or troubled emotional condition, music that communicates peace and serenity can soothe us and change our emotions. That brings us to uh, a third point here, and that is instrumental emotion. The Bible contains a number of passages, and we won't look at all of the passages concerning this, but there's a number of other passages that imply musical communication. One would be in Job chapter 30 and verse 31. It says there, My harp also turned to mourning, and my organ into the voice of them that weep. You can see the emotions there, the mourning and the weeping, and the relationship of the instrumental music there. Isaiah 16, 11, Wherefore my bowels shall sound like an harp for Moab, and mine inward parts for Kerharish. Kerharish, excuse me. Now the word bowels there is referring to the heart. My heart shall sound like a harp for Moab. In Jeremiah 48 and verse 36, Therefore mine heart shall sound for Moab like pipes, and mine heart shall sound like pipes for the men of Kirhiris, because the riches that he had gotten are perished. Again, the word sound like pipes may be that of flutes wailing. In other words, the Bible uses the sounds of musical instruments as pictures or metaphors to describe certain emotional states of, our, of, of the people that are involved here. A harp can be played to sound like a human mourning or weeping. Or a flute can be played to communicate wailing. Maybe that's the way some of our young people learn to play their instruments. It does sound like wailing sometimes, doesn't it? I remember listening to those first starting to learn to play the clarinet. That's an interest. Any of clarinet players here? Oh, you, know, you always have a someone that in the little band that uh, somebody's playing and it squeaks. You know, 
it's a hard instrument to play. It's not necessarily that easy. But uh, uh, when you're practicing, sometimes it sounds like wailing. If they keep after it, they learn how to play it. But emotions that all people in all times and all places share. We all know what it means to be in mourning or weeping, be sad about something, be uh, even wailing. And so that's what we find here in the Scriptures. Really, there's, uh, you can't say that that's a nothingness, can you? There's something there. Music communicates. Now, notice secondly this evening, communication by association. It's kind of an interesting aspect of what we're looking at here. The Bible in several places implies that instrumental music, that is, music without the words, can communicate emotional messages, but it does not tell us what kinds of music communicate certain messages or even how it works. And so to discover that and discover how and what music communicates, I think we look to the science of music itself. This is one of the reasons why I didn't want to get too long here, was because we're going to talk a little bit about the science of music, and I don't want some of you to miss uh, some of these things because you've fallen to sleep and didn't get your Sunday new a- afternoon nap. But uh, music is a medium of communication. In particular, music communicates by means of, as we've already said, emotional metaphor. In other words, by using symbols. Music can communicate various moods and emotions. Symbols are essentially associations. Some would say that love is like a red, red rose. You know, you have a red rose. What's the most popular flower to give at Valentine's? It's the rose. You know, or an anniversary. Men, a dozen red, long stem roses, right? And expresses love. Now, does that flower express love? Well, it's associated with love. And in this sense, all music communication is based on association. The music is not emotional. It's merely a symbol of emotion. It doesn't create the emotion, it expresses ideas of emotion. Music communicates certain moods and associations to us because we associate its symbols with various emotional states. First of all, there's a conventional association. You know, some symbolism is purely association with man-made conventions. For instance, the colors red, white, and blue. Our flag. Now, really, if you just took the red, white, and blue and didn't see it as a flag, let's just put, think of it as red, the color red, the color white, and the color blue. You'd probably think about the flag, or you'd think about patriotism. Since they are the colors of our flag, those colors possess a symbolic representation of a patriotism in our nation. You know, we love our nation, and trust we do. But the red, white, and blue. Somebody says that? Oh, that's talking about America. That's talking about our flag. Now, what about if you raise your arm at a straight 45-degree angle in the front of your body, 
Does that possess an inherent association? Maybe with something called fascism and tyranny? Because that bodily gesture was a Nazi salute to Hitler and from Hitler, it carries its symbolic representation of terrible times. Even if you didn't see a a German soldier or a picture of Hitler doing this, it reminds you of that. It's not, it's not a, 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 a signal or a representation that we, we use much uh, in, in our day uh, for anything else. Now, some musical communication occurs because of these kinds of conventional associations. Sometimes these associations are true for particular individuals or small groups. Other times these associations exist for entire cultures or time periods. Sometimes such associations uh, eventually fade away, while in some cases they last for a long period. And so have you ever heard the expression, Honey, they're playing our song? Maybe you and your wife heard a song when you were dating or courting or whatever, and, and then you got married, and then years later, that song came on the radio again, and they said, you say, Honey, they're playing our song. Well, that's, that's the uh, association at work. Think about uh, the final section of Rossini's Overture to the Opera William Tell. Who's that remind you of? I mean, every time you hear Rossini's William Tell, you probably think of the Lone Ranger. It's often associated with this masked Lone Ranger riding his horse, Silver. Now, there's nothing, of course, inherent in this music without lyrics to automatically suggest such a picture. But because these musical phrases are used as the theme for the Lone Ranger uh, television show, we associate musical symbols with this image. And we can't get it out of our minds, especially for the older folks here. (laughs) Some of you younger folks didn't grow up on Lone Ranger like some of us did. Here's another example. Now, that is the song that we have in our hymn books called Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. I heard of an American missionary in Great Britain who used that as a song for his Sunday service. As soon as that hymn began, like I just played for you, an older British gentleman stood up in a huff and he stormed out of the room. Later, the missionary discovered the man was a World War II veteran who was associating that song with the tune of the German national anthem, which you see there on the screen. There's nothing inherently wrong with that song. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful hymn. But the only thing he could think of when he heard that song was the Nazis ruthlessly bombing his country. There's nothing inherently 
wrong in, or in that tune that would should offend the gentleman, but he just associated it with terrible times from his past. Now we also have what we call natural association. Natural association. Uh, some symbolism just is a natural association. For instance, dark clouds signify a storm. If you see a picture with dark clouds, you're going to think, there's a storm coming. Even the lightning bolt signifies electricity. You might even see it on some warning uh, uh, signs, a, a lightning bolt. And you think, electricity is here. I've got to be careful. You know, a frown signifies happiness, right? No. It signifies sadness. You see that, that symbol. And in order for the symbolic meaning to be natural, the association between the symbol and the object must occur naturally in the human experience. And there are some musical communication that occurs because of these kinds of natural associations. Combinations of dynamics and tone and rhythms and tempos all combine to mimic a natural way we feel inwardly or physically respond outwardly when we experience certain emotional states. For instance, there's a reason why Pachelbel's Canon in D major is played on peaceful, serene occasions like the prelude to a football game, right? No. It's a wedding song. It's not something you would hear at the football game. The musical symbols naturally communicate peace and serenity. Not a lot of pep and excitement. Because they mimic how we feel when we're peaceful. And so there's a reason why a fight song is played at a football game, right? The musical symbols naturally communicate rousing enthusiasm and a Appropriate for a sporting event, not a marriage ceremony. Now, I wouldn't put it past somebody to play on Wisconsin at their wedding, but that is certainly possible. But I don't think it's appropriate. And we don't usually find that happening. Now, this next one, I'm going to warn you, okay? Beware. There's a reason why a Pink Floyd song is going to be played at a strip club and not Pachelbel's Cannon or a Sousa March. Now, it's interesting, you probably heard the words there, we don't need no education. Well, they do need some education. But you don't, you don't hear Pachelbel's Cannon in D major at a strip club, and you shouldn't hear it anyway there because you shouldn't be there. But you won't hear that. Uh, 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 that's not an appropriate uh, uh, song, even though many of our football games are playing more of that kind of music today, I'm afraid. They've gone away from the good marches that used to be played. But the music symbols naturally communicate the kinds of feelings occurring there. I think perhaps one of the Probably the best illustration of this is the kind of natural symbolic communication that is found in, in film scores. Certainly musical scores are composed for movie scenes based on kinds of moods and emotions. You know, if it's a dark night, 
you're not going to have light, peppy music, right? You're going to have some eerie kind of uh, low uh, music. Because the producers want to enhance that scene, and they use music. So if music doesn't communicate, why do they use it? Because it communicates. And it'll uh, communicate to any audience, whether regardless of age, nationality, gender, culture, because all humans share basic emotional and physical makeup. And it's interesting that when movies are shown in different countries, the language may be different, and they may have to have subtitles for the people, but the music doesn't change. It's the same. The music doesn't change. So music is often referred to as a heightened speech. Musical forms evolved over time, I guess you could say, into more complex forms of natural emotional work. In other words, there's a natural connection between musical communication and what naturally occurs with our voices as we experience certain emotional states. And in this way, natural symbols are transcultural because every man shares a culture of humanity. So, how would this help us with our musical choices? Well, specific musical styles or individual songs always possess some natural meanings and often possess various conventional meanings as well. Both, by the way, of symbolic association. And at the very heart of the music, very heart of the musical meaning is the natural meaning it communicates by way of association with universal, common human experience. But built upon the natural meaning are various conventional associations. And often such conventional associations will correspond with a natural feeling as the natural expressions of the peaceful communi- uh, peacefulness communicated by Pachelbel's canon. It ri- gives rise to the conventional association that that particular piece is for weddings. Or such natural expressions of sensualness that's communicated by that Pink Floyd piece that gives to rise to the conventional association that music is for immoral living. And sometimes, however, conventional associations can contradict and override natural associations. For instance, the piece I played there that uh, the World War II veteran was offended at. Glorious things of thee are spoken. You know, uh, that naturally communicates noble moods because its natural association is how we feel when we're proud or stately. And its conventional association with Nazi Germany created a new meaning in World War II. And that overpowered the positive meaning that was quite negative. So in summary... Music communicates through symbolic associations. And such associations can be either conventional or natural, depending upon whether or not they correspond to something that occurs naturally in all human experience. So you add some lyrics to the musical selection, and now we have two additional layers of meaning. You have the content of what's being said, the content of the text, but you also have the poetic mood. And what we must remember here is that symbolic meaning, in the case, this case music, if it's natural, it always trumps the text. In other words, 
the sound is going to overrule or overpower what's being said. Okay? And that's why I believe there is, is some music that's just not acceptable in our churches or in our Christian lives. Somebody says, well, it's got good words. It talks about Jesus. It talks about the cross. It talks about, it talks about salvation. But the music can overrule what's being said. For instance, if I approach my wife with a frown and a furrowed brow and a tone of voice, those are all natural symbols of anger, and I come up to her and I say, I love you. Woman, I love you. See that negative language, that negative body language, that tone of voice overpowers a positive meaning of the statement. And if I did that, hopefully she'd think, oh, you're just joking. But for every practical, for very practical purposes of making music choices in our lives, it really doesn't matter whether music communication is conventional or natural. Because the important question to ask as we make the choice is, what does this music communicate on the emotional level? Does it sound sad? Does it sound happy? Does it sound chaotic? Does it sound sensual? But even in asking these questions, we need to be careful not to limit emotional meaning to only broad categories signified by words like joy and love or aggression. Remember, just mere words are inadequate to perfectly express the nuances of emotion, since even within a category like joy, there's a lot of different kinds of joy. And so we must not only ask, what does this music communicate? We must also ask, what kind of joy, what kind of love is it communicating? We have a host of songs that are being written these days and sung in churches that express love and joy for a relationship with Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is never mentioned in the, in the song. A lot of times they substitute you. You know, I, th- I always am a little leery about a song that just says you. Yes, they're talking to the Lord. Well, does it sound like that? Are they really talking to the Lord, or are they just using it to, this kind of a song to, communicate something they really want to communicate to some other person. It's sometimes called a crossover song. It crosses over from the physical, emotional, to the spiritual. And we'll probably be looking at more of those kind of things in our future messages. I trust as we think about music communication, we realize the Bible does 
say that, in a sense, or implies through these scriptures that music does communicate. There was a sound like war. There was a refreshing of the spirit. There were several passages concerning emotional, instrumental emotion. And then you have these associations that are tied in with with much of music. And so I think this should be a guidelines, again, to help us make the right music choices. Again, we want to stop there and continue in this vein the next time that we meet uh, for our Sunday evening uh, study. So let's bow in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you.